Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Joining us on this Monday edition of Flyers Daily, his name is synonymous with Mondays on Flyers Daily. From NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com, it is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how are we? Jason, I'm I'm doing well. I had a chance to take a deep breath, uh, watch the Eagles with the NFC Championship, uh, a little little one day respite, and and uh, you know, and, and thinking about stuff for over the break, and then and then the rest of the season. So it, it's uh, you know, <laughs> good time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Phillies go to the World Series. Eagles are headed to a Super Bowl. Who knows what the Sixers are going to do? Flyers got to catch up here because, yeah. you know, you, you want to think maybe the rising tide raises all boats and and hopefully the Flyers can contribute to that. Um, and we're going to talk about elements of that in a second, but I want to talk about the Winnipeg game um, from Saturday night, Bill. It's a 4 nothing win. Yeah, Winnipeg had lost two straight coming into that one. Um, both the games they played after they beat the Flyers 5-3. to three. Flyers lost a couple in there as well, albeit both in overtime. But they go into Winnipeg, a really tough place to play against a Winnipeg team that's got a little desperation. They're really playing for some positioning right now. They get Connor Hellebuck, one of the best goaltenders in the NHL, in that game. And they come out and, boy, I just thought they never let them up for air. I thought that they just played a textbook road hockey game. And from you know the great positional elements of Noah Cates on the first goal, uh, to the second goal and, you know, good passing and execution there. And then you get into the third period where, you know, uh, on the radio, I said to Brian Smith, Rick Bonus is hooking them up the jumper cables this period because yep. he wants to get his team back in it. And they come out three minutes in and they get a goal and then a couple minutes later get another. Uh, the structure, uh, to me, it was their most complete game. And not just because it's a 4 nothing result, but because I thought everybody that was wearing skates on their side that night chipped in and and played a really key role in it for sure you know if you, if you look at i mean you can look at it a lot of different ways um obviously carter hart every time he was tested he, he was a brick wall i mean he, every time the flyers needed a big save they got it um and he made some tough saves look routine i mean he saw 40 for the night that could be a deceptive number and it's a little bit deceptive because mo many of those shots came in the third period um you know, Flyers had a multi-goal lead, and they built on that. So, so to some extent, the Flyers just had to play smart, and that you know they they would give they give the perimeter and just take away the middle. So, some of that maybe pumped up the total shots by being Carter Hart. Nobody was beating him that night. There was one that went off the post, but other than that, I mean, Hart really you know it was a team shutout, but it was also a goalie shutout. It was it was, it was both yeah. at the same time. So that. Was, you know, that, that was fantastic. Well, what a way for him to go into the break. Um, there were contributions, as, as, as you just alluded to, everywhere up and down the lineup. And nobody played less than 11 and a half minutes, and nobody played more than about 21 minutes. So they, they got everybody involved in all four lines. Well, there were, no, there were no really four lines because they were juggling personnel all game long. You know, usually when I do post-game five, I, I do a starting lineup. And then if there are in-game changes, I'll note them. Towards you, so many different combinations that I listed the you know, what was out for the fir- first shift. Then I just said, hey, they're, they're just blended combos all game long. Yeah. And that can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. But uh, but they just kept rolling, no matter no matter who was on the ice. Um, you know, you got and, – and, and some credit to Kiefer Bellows, who – Yeah. Listen, he, he hadn't suited up for a game in over a month. Phantoms or, or Flyers. 
comes out, not just scores a goal, but really played with a lot of energy and, you know, played a really good game filling in as, uh, you know, only only starting 11 forwards and 7D. So they really they couldn't have any passengers at all. Um, as you said, Kate's both sides of the puck. Um, everybody, everybody contributed. I mean, they had, I think, 12 different players blocked at least one shot, eight different guys and at least a point. I mean that's what you need to be to be the team as good as Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Winnipeg didn't play a bad game even. Yeah, you know they, the they had a higher expected goals model. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean the, the Flyers just just played a, a phenomenal road game to take it to the break. So, you know, kudos to them. Um, I don't I don't think we would have figured, you know, especially with all the injuries and where they were at one point this year, they'd be at hockey five hundred going into the break. So, you know, the, 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 they're showing. They're showing improvement for sure. It's definitely progression. Let's stay on Hart real quick because I talked about this in yesterday's episode, Bill. Um, Carter, you know, th- you and I have talked about this as well. I talked to Kim Dillball about it too. Carter's added this other facet to his game of desperation and aggression um, to a level he didn't necessarily play before. He, We know he's a technical goaltender, an efficient mover, and, and a play reader, but he has added that other element at times. And the ability... You know, there's different ways a goalie, especially like Hart, can play really well and get a good result. You know, there's those nights where you have to be acrobatic and because of circumstance or, you know, the way the structure of your team is in front of you. And then there's other nights when you have really sound structure and you rely on your fundamentals and your efficiency and movement. Because I thought he was where he was supposed to be waiting on pucks all night long. There was a save sequence in the third period with a scramble in front. He was down, paddled down on the ice, knew exactly where that puck was coming. I, I, I kid you not, a, a second and a half before it happened. And I just thought his play reading was so dialed in. And he made a save early in the third period when they were trying to really pour it on. And he, the way he snapped back up to his feet, I said, they, he's, his goose egg is tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and sure it was. But, the, but I don't want it to go you know, unsaid that the, the reason the goalie can have a game like that is because the structure is – predictable for him and that's a great thing yeah the what you didn't see what you didn't see uh you know in in last game and the flyers have been prone to even lately in some games they've won is those backdoor kind of goals he, he could he could play his angles he, he knew the you know he knew that the cross ice pass was sealed off and, and that way that way he could make against to make some pretty difficult saves look easy pucks are hitting him in the chest or squarely in the pad and they were dying there they were they weren't leaking on the slot, so I mean he 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 really he really earned that shot. I, he also got what was it about 18, 18 or so block shots in front of him too. So yeah, you know he had I mean, you just you just had all the elements of a, of a really quality road win, and that, that's uh, you know as you said, I mean they were the Jets were a team that had lost a couple at home. They came in with uh, urgency, and the Flyers came in. And that third period, you know, just just to say one more thing about that. I mean, the Flyers scored on their first and their third shots of the period, and that that just that just poked killed up, it. just killed them. It deflates all the air from the balloon. Yeah. Um. The, the you know, the tippet breakaway goal, the two-on-one goal. By the way, I, I had to laugh at uh, some, sometimes the problem when when you have those stat tracking sites, or somehow they had the Flyers with. With only one high danger chance in the third period, so I was wondering whether the breakaway of the two on one wasn't considered a high danger yeah. because both, both of those are 
mighty tough saves for any goalie. So, at, 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 at any rate, so sometimes you have to take a little bit of that with a grain of salt. But uh, they, the Flyers really, once, once it got to three to nothing, you knew they were trying four to nothing. It was really the, the only suspense was shutout or no shutout. As you said, you you had a feeling that was going to be the night, unless unless they scored some kind of fluky goal or something. Well, the, the key element too, Bill. Now, Tim Saunders and Steve Coates talked to Rasmus Ristolainen after the game um, against Winnipeg. And I think a couple games prior, the post-game walk-off interview was Noah Cates. And both of those players, Bill, came into this season, you know, different, much different circumstances, obviously. Cates, his full-time first year as an NHLer, never played a game in the American Hockey League, playing center, and it dried up his offense incredibly yeah. in the beginning of the season. Risto's been a reclamation project for Brad Shaw, getting him not to chase plays and, you know, really play the defensive end more soundly and efficiently. And it came at a huge cost to his offensive game. But of late, both players have added the elements of offense back into their game. Not, not at a prolific pace, but they've added that element back into their game without the other end suffering in any way, shape or form. And that's a huge help to this team going yeah. forward. Yeah. Uh, I, I was I'll say about Ristolainen first, you know, the biggest thing with him has been that he, he's not chasing the puck. You know, he, so many times he'd look for that big hit and sometimes he'd get it, but he'd be taking himself way out of position. Yeah. His hits are down, but, um, but is it, you know, he's still, still can punish a guy along the walls. He's just not, he's just not looking only for that to the exclusion of, you know, playing this position or leaving his partner he, hung with the drive. He's killing plays now, not killing guys. Yeah, yeah. His stick is his, his stick work is so much better, right, right where it should be a lot of the time. And uh, he's always had the ability to get up ice and join join a rush. One of the one of the things that why scouts oh why scouts always love the tools are he's a big guy who can also skate pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah, nice little feathery hands too. We saw this week with a couple well, of backhanders. Yeah, this, this is the backhand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, both of both of his goals in the last couple weeks have been backhanded goals. And, mm-hmm. and when he when he kicked the kicked the puck from his uh, skate to his stick, the other one was the the shorthanded goal. Um, and and last night he he had a gorgeous uh, backhanded centering pass to yep. uh, to, to Bellows. Yep, um, that was yeah, that, that was a great play. Um, you know, so keep you know keeping things simple, a little you know, making making. So you know, so some guys less is more, and I think what what Whistleline is discovering is he's one of those guys. Um, and he's playing playing in a third pair, so maybe the matchups are a little bit easier. Definitely. So that, that that's that's a piece of it too, but I think that uh, I think that he's playing under control, and uh, you know, uh, for the last for the last maybe the last month and a half, maybe the last six weeks, he's been really really good, he, even. Even under the analytics models that, that are, have never been kind to him, yeah. he's actually been doing pretty well, pretty well in that too. So, that, that that's the biggest thing with him. Um, with with Noah Cates, uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely, he's. Uh, we we saw last year, although he was playing wing, that there is there is some offensive upside to him. Um, Nine points in 15, 16 games last year. Yeah. Yep, and playing left wing. It's funny because his uh, which was which was an even strength goal. It was actually it was actually that late season combination last year that got it. Um, yeah. I'm and, and and all three guys all three guys had something to do with that. I mean, uh, 
and they well it was actually York. York had the puck first, and then and then he gave it uh, to Tippett, and Tippett cut over the middle uh, off the half wall, and he made that bank pass off the board that Ross claimed, um, probably probably in the, just in front of the corner, right along the goal line. Made a very patient play, getting the puck across, and got a little bit of lucky bounce. It went off a of Pionk skate, but but right to but right to Cates, and on a second effort, he put it in. So that you know, going to the net, the, those kind of plays. I mean, they need that, especially because Connecty slumped a little bit going into the break, and Farabee has been struggling going into the break. So when you the more scoring sources you can get, um, you know, when you when you look at the offensive piece. Uh, none, now it's a sample of 23 games. You know, Frost has 19 points in those 23 games, and and uh, and Lawton has 19 points in those 23 games. That's a lot. Of, that, you know, that's a lot of production from those two. So yeah. it, uh, you know, so it so it does so it's not all on connecting. And if connecting goes a few games without a goal, you know, you're, you can get scoring from other sources. So and that's that's been that's been one of the the big things. And of course, Tippett too. Tippett's another guy who. Increasingly, is a guy who's contributing on, on a pretty regular basis offensively. And you know, one thing in all the line juggling, the tip of the tippet line with JVR and Frost, um, Torch wasn't able to keep that together just because he had to juggle the line so much. And those guys kept rolling. Yeah. So that that that, that was good to see too because they had, had to play with different guys really for the first time in about six weeks, and they all found. Maybe maybe a little quiet night in terms of offensive production from JVR, but I'll tell you that I thought I thought he actually had one of his better two way games in a while. I thought he made mm-hmm. a couple of good plays in the D zone. Uh, guys were trying to center passes. There was something more center in, the, in the, you know I'm talking about Winnipeg, and JVR was right there to intercept them and out yeah. and out they went. So that was uh, you know so and you, you could just you could just look up and down the lineup um, guys like. Uh, I mean, Delore had a really good game. Um, yeah, you know, and and just uh, you know, I I can't really, you know, I can't. They said there were there weren't any passengers in that game, and that's yeah. uh, that that's uh, that's an approach the Flyers need. And you know, listen, when they come back, it's going to be reset time. It's an awfully long break, probably too long of a break. Yeah, but uh, it, it, it's a good way to go in, and there's there's a lot of elements that if these guys can pick up where they left off. I, I don't I don't see any reason why they they can't keep their head above water, even even if the playoffs are still really probably probably a little bit over their head at this point still. But yeah, but uh, but they're, but they're definitely they're definitely trending up and they're trending up with things and players that can sustain it over the long haul. Hopefully, yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, last year, Bill, in eighty two games, the Flyers finished with a record of twenty five, forty six, and eleven, sixty one points, bottom spot in the division. They sit here right now uh, with 31 games to play. They've played 51, as you alluded to earlier, 21, 21, and 9, 51 points. And, you know, you look at it and you go, okay, 21 uh, wins so far this season with 31 to go, 25 total wins last year, uh, 10 points behind where they finished last year, still 31 games left to play. It's a huge step forward. And if we want to go back and look at, you know, where were the Flyers last year after 51 games? Well, they were at 15, 26, and 10, which is 11 games under hockey 500. They gave up significantly more goals in their first 51 last year, and they scored significantly less goals last year uh, than they're scoring this year. They got 142 this year, goals four. 
than 129 a year ago. So all this being said, where does the credit lie in the step that they've taken forward? Because by my count, Jean Couturier hasn't played a shift and neither has Cam Atkinson this year. And, you know, the injuries that took place at the beginning of this season, you know, the 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 fact that Fedotov didn't come over and obviously no Ryan Ellis again, you know, all these elements, where does the credit lie? Well, I, I think you do have to give uh, some credit to the coaching staff. Yeah. Um, and, and not and not just John Tortorella either. Sure. Um, you know, certainly Brad Shaw and also also Rocky Thompson too. Let's the, put Kim Dillaball in there as well. Well, certainly, certainly. That, that's yeah. uh, that's such an individual relationship, you know, mm-hmm. the goalie and the goalie coach. Um, so and and uh, whether you know whether it's been hard or whether it's been Urson, um, the, you know, the the those two goalies have, have done really well. And I said I I, I had to feel a little bit for Felix Sandstrom too because he said some said some tough luck along the way too. But mm-hmm. um, you know, but but for a team that uh, I I think. I think there's a good leadership group in place. Um, you know, I, I think Scott Lawton is, is really there's a reason why he's the one guy with a with a letter in the sweater. Uh, but it, but but it always takes it always takes a group. And you know, a year ago, if the Flyers were and, and it, you know the uh, an element that comes to the coach too. Tortorella certainly has a piece of this too. A year ago, when the Flyers were down a goal, you knew that was it. They were not coming back. Yep, and the the numbers the numbers would bear that out too. When the fly once the Flyers trailed, they were cooked, and they're not they're not that's not the case anymore. You know, they they've had a, the Flyers still for the season as a whole have been scored on first more than they've scored first, and yet their record in such games isn't too bad actually. Um, wish they wish they had a little better record when they have scored first. Honestly, um, you're looking at a season where Flyers only have one. Overtime win. They're they're one and nine in games that have gone beyond regulation. So it's it's not like they're it's not like they're pulling out games at, at three on three. If anything, it's been the opposite. It's uh, they've left a lot of points at the table. They, even if they were even if they were five and five, right? That would be four more points. Um, but but they would be you know they'd be several games over hockey five hundred. So yeah, it's uh you know so I I, I mean there certainly is a a whole lot of room to improve, but you, but if you think where, and, and it's funny, you still see some of that on social media from people that obviously aren't watching, who will say, "This is the worst team I've ever seen." And I think, how many teams have you ever seen then? Fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> and did you watch last year? <laughs> right. Oh no, clearly not. Clearly yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, it's not even the worst Flyers team I've ever. Not even, not even by a long shot, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's better than last year's team. Anything is better than 0607. Even last year's team was, was better than that team. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, this this is a team that's on the uprise. Now, where they can take it from there remains to be seen, whether they can sustain it. Um, Flyers went a long time without any injuries. Um, now, now, now they have two. And, you know, I mean, that, 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 that's been a piece of it, too, because I think when the, the Flyers went healthy, and, and, it, and, and it's something that I think – doesn't get said very much. I think the the 18 skaters the Flyers have been dressing over, over the last month, um, and especially when they're slotted correctly, you have 18 NHL players. Yeah, there's not a guy. I mean, you know, maybe you don't have the real top end talent, and uh, 
you know, but not, nobody is outrageously playing, playing way above in the lineup where they should be, like they had to, but they're just riddled with injuries. There, there aren't so many guys like this is just not an NHL player. Yeah, I mean, and, Zach McHugh was on a power play for a period of time. So it was Nick right. Valeria. Right, and, and some of that was because they were missing 10 regulars at that time. Mm-hmm. So they you know, they had they had to go with what they had, and the record reflected that. But when you're when you're able to slot those guys correctly in a fourth line, playing them eight, nine, ten minutes, and, and they know their role, the role's just a fourth check essentially, or add a physical element and just stand up for guys. You know, um, I, I think I think they all know how to play their role, and, and maybe you could argue that uh, you don't have you don't have really anybody who could truly score in that fourth line. But you know, there's not really that many teams that have much scoring on their fourth line. Yeah, even today, you're trying you need, to get it from. Yeah. yeah, you you need you need three three scoring lines and and a fourth line that doesn't kill you. Yep. Um, you know, and I mean, I mean the Flyers. If you look at the Flyers against the truly elite teams, where they where they come up short is no no they don't have the the Bergerons and the Pasternaks and the Mitch Marners and the Austin Matthews. There's nobody like that on on the Flyers. Nope. And that, that's where the Flyers. Have trouble stacking up to them, but in terms of NHL caliber talent, in terms of decent depth, they they do have they do have those things, and that's why they're that's why there's a very deep middle of the pack. Even the lower teams in the middle of the pack are, are not bad teams; they're just they're just not up to where the really top teams are. Yep. The, the hierarchy in the league is probably about where teams should be right now. So everyone's a, although I don't I don't know like Seattle's caught me by surprise. I, I, me too. I, I still didn't expect that kind of offense from him. Me neither. But Not on a Ron sure. Francis team. <laughs> no, no, for sure. Or Dave Haxall team, truthfully. For to that be matter, honest. yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, but uh, but I think that for in general, and maybe Boston is playing above where people thought they would play, but but I think in general the, the teams in the league are about what they should be, and yeah. that that includes the Flyers. So hey, the Flyers have beaten a lot of good teams, other than the other than the really top teams other than the Bostons and the Torontos. I mean, they beat they Tampa earlier them. in the year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they did beat, beat some... Tampa. Game, yeah. third, third game of the season, they beat Tampa yeah. in, in their building. Now, Tampa since then has caught fire. Yep. And they're not the team that they were then, and they were starting to get hot when they came into Philly on December 1st and whipped on them pretty badly, yep. at least in the second and third periods. So that's probably, you know, another team that the Flyers – won a game before they really got going against but but I think when you look at most of the league they've beaten some good clubs they you know, they beat LA in their building um the second game against LA really could have gone either which way mm-hmm. they, they came into Philly and they, they beat the Flyers in that one um Flyers obviously just won in Winnipeg when when Winnipeg was here last week I mean that gave Flyers clawed back to tie that one three three in the third yeah. period, and really that game came down to a really bad goal that yeah. went in. But so I think I think the Flyers have shown that on, on most nights they can compete with most teams. They won't yeah, win every, they won't win all. But yeah, I mean that's been the big thing, Bill, is that um, you know certain players have been erratic. You know, some have gone got run really hot and then run cold or you know warm and what variations of you know, effectiveness to play, you know, connect me right now. If you look at his last 21 games, I think it is, he's got like 24 points, but he also had a stretch in there where he had 10 games and he had 20 points and he just got the three, I think three points since. So he's in a situation where it's not, everything's not going in for him right now. And maybe he needs the break, but 
you know, I, I've been as they're playing some of these other teams, you know, teams we don't see a lot like Winnipeg or like, you know, a team like Minnesota. And I see a guy like Matt Boldy who was taken 12th overall, what, in the 19 draft. Mm-hmm. And I go, you know, that's a, I, I really like the player, <laughs> you know, I did a nice job. He's not going to come in right away into the NHL and, and bowl you over. He's in year two, had a decent year one, putting up nice numbers now in year two. Like I see those kind of players and I go, you know, yeah, the superstar high end guy is great. But Matt Boldy was taken at 12th in a draft that wasn't widely known as one of the great drafts, <laughs> you know? So yeah, they're, they're, they're players that, that are going to be available that are good. You're going to still have to add more than one, you know, highly skilled player. But we'll see how that lottery thing plays out. Last thing for you, Bill, because when we come back uh, on the 6th on Monday, uh, a week from today against the New York Islanders, that four-game homestand and a four-game road trip and play out the month of February leading up to the deadline on March 3rd, um, you know, there's going to be certain guys that we expect probably will be moved, like whether that's JVR, Justin Braun, maybe Patrick Brown. Um, there could be one surprise guy that's moved, though. Could the surprise guy that's moved actually end up being Tony D'Angelo? That that is possible. Um, he has he's on a two year deal. Yeah, that's why um, I think it's it's palatable from that standpoint. Yeah, and and I mean that's often the best time to move a guy when he has a year remaining. Yeah, he I, two kicks he, at the can with him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's particularly particularly a team that's solid in most areas. Um, can work around his defensive shortcomings and can use a little power play boost. I, I think that that would be a player of interest. A five million dollar cap hit isn't outrageous, and exactly. and it's only the remainder for the season anyway, which is prorated. Um, and from a Flyers standpoint, you know apart from getting an asset, if you move them, the Flyers have had trouble slotting them. Yeah. Right? That, that's precisely why I bring him up. Yeah. Because I, I don't I, know where he fits. I I just don't, and, and I don't like him with Sanheim. No. No, I I, I think it's I think it's negatively affected Sanheim because Sanheim, yep, totally agree. he's put in the role of being the shutdown guy, and that's, that's not him. I want Sanheim getting up the ice in the rush, and yeah. I don't see it when he's with Tony D'Angelo. Right. So, same here, same here. And he was tried with Provorov. That really, it didn't work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and on the third pairing, I, I mean, that's on a really deep team. He might be, you know, he might be a third pairing power play guy. But you know, I, I don't know. I, I one guy who, one guy who might be moved because I think he's, I think he's in a one year. Is Sealer has been a, just a quiet, yeah. steady presence. And that's mm-hmm. a guy who uh, a savvy playoff team. Maybe he's their seven, but you always have injuries in the playoffs. And, and one one thing I one thing I appreciate about Sealer is you set him and you forget him. Yep. If he's playing twelve minutes for you, he's not great with the puck. But he's a pretty good defender. Yeah, and uh, very he's good. Got some team sandpaper guy. too. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he, he brings he brings all of that, and uh, you know has the element of physicality, a block shots, stand up for teammates. All the all those little things that, that go in the mix of a of a winning team, um, you know, it, you know, in the Flyers he's starting he started almost every game. There's a couple games he sat, but he's been mostly an every game starter, and he's playing in the rotation above Justin Braun, I, who's a more proven NHL defenseman, I guess you'd say, for a longer period of time. There there was yeah. a long time when Justin Braun was a pretty good number four. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, but but it's by merit, and so 
that's a guy I could see moving to the deadline. You're not going to get any huge return for him, but you get an asset for him if, if you if yeah. you elect to move him. So that that might be another guy you you know you, you would see moved. Um, and in terms of the bigger stuff of you know, we've already talked about guys like JVR in recent podcasts, but in in terms of other guys that might be moved. Bigger, bigger trades. I really think that would happen after the season. So. Yeah, me too. I, I think you want to get more teams involved in deals like that, and only so many teams are going to be involved in acquisitions at the deadline. So, um, and and GMs always look to reshape their roster more in the off season, and those deals are more reserved for that time period. Uh, great stuff, Bill. Uh, the bye week, if I guess we'll call it, All Star Break bye week is underway. Uh, Bill will return Monday when uh, the Flyers will take on the New York Islanders a week from today. Uh, so rebuild stuff in the meantime, though, on uh, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. And we shall return tomorrow with another brand new episode of Flyers Daily. Have a great day, everybody. Yeah.